When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lepercaro, and this episode's guest is Local Natives. Even though local natives are, frankly, staples of 2010s indie rock, I got into them much later. I started listening to local natives with their last record, Violet Street, and I quickly fell in love and realized what I was missing. They have their incredible harmonies, these angular chord progressions, and this incredible sensibility for both, again, the weird and original approaches to things, and also a strong sensibility for a good hook for for pop music, frankly. And because of that, again, I, I really fell for their music. They also happen to be some of the loveliest people I've met in music, and it's always a pleasure to support them time and time again. This is not the first time they've been on the podcast. They were on episode 14 to talk about their last EP, Sour Lemon. If you want to go listen to that after this, I would highly encourage it because it's very different. Whereas that EP was really a chance to let loose and just share some ideas that they hadn't had a place for anywhere else. With Time Will Wait For No One, their fifth studio album, we see somewhat of a return to form. Actually, not somewhat, a return to form in in many senses. For one, they're back to writing a record that really is a full, complete thought where all of the songs come together to really put forward a strong thesis statement, but a return to form in another way. The band have been very candid about the fact that the last few years, as have been for many of us, have been quite rough and force a lot of them both in their individual lives and as a band to question a lot of things to grow and ultimately through their willingness to grow come back together stronger and healthier. I think it's such a beautiful thing when people are willing to be honest and turn inward and do better for both themselves and as a group and getting to see that manifest through art in such such a clear way is beautiful. I really enjoyed this conversation. The topics on this record are very existential, very relatable. There's a lot, as we'll talk about later, regarding trying to control things that we can't. And I think especially coming out of a time where we really didn't feel in control of anything, and in other ways we continue to not feel in control of anything, it's nice to have a record that reflects that. So with that in mind, I leave you with my interview with Local Natives. I would say welcome back to the podcast because this is the second Local Natives interview that I've done, but 
last time I did this, I had uh, Ryan and Kelsey on, and now I've we've completely flipped. I have <laughs> Taylor, Nick, and Matt. Yeah, completed the circle. Yeah, there you go. It's like a, it's like Pokemon cards. I've collected the whole thing now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, although technically Kelsey's been on twice because he came on to talk about the solo record as well. So oh, nice. So I guess twice, twice the same, but yeah, nice. we we now get to talk about time will wait for no one, um, which I'm super excited about. I came to the show last Friday and it was amazing. It was great to hear the songs live, see you guys so happy to get to play them, see everyone there so happy to get to be there. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to get to do this interview off the back of that. Um, with all that in mind. I think the best place to start really is the title track because it kind of feels like kind of like the thesis statement of the record. Do you think that's a fair way to put it? I think it is. Um, And it's so hard for us to have a thesis statement for an album because the nature of local natives is three singers and songwriters and a very democratic five member process like each song um you know touches so many people before it completes so it it only can happen uh in retrospect and like what the theme of a record is but that song and that lyric i think more than any album we've ever had really came to like encapsulate somehow like not only what we were going through as individuals and what a lot of the songs can be about on like a very personal or individual level. It also completely uh, encapsulates what we were going through as a band and as like a family and making this record. And so, yeah, it's like, it's it's pretty cool to have something like that. Like it's a little bit of a gift, like not by design at all. We, we kind of stumbled into it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a good way to put it. And just from having read about the record, it does seem like even though you were again all individually going through your own situations there was that sort of through line of overcoming whatever life turmoil was happening and coming back together and i guess trying to find that harmony again definitely yeah it was i mean we've talked about it a bit um it was like a rough time for all of us in so many different ways and um it sounds a little like cute or cheesy or something right now, but like we we got to choose to like turn towards each other. Like, you know, time will go on, our lives will change, uh, the world changes like rapidly every year. Um, and kind of the only authority we have really is, you know, in the band and outside of the band, but just like who who we're choosing to invest our time with and, and be there for each other. And um, like we turn to each turn towards each other a lot making this album um which was uh beautiful and really tough you know just to like kind of show up in a lot of different ways because we were different people than we were five years ago mm-hmm. absolutely um i think what you just said nick also kind of touches on at least the way that i read the the title track because it feels like that song in particular but really the record as a whole sort of deals with the battle between the things that we can't control trying to maybe control those things for better or for worse and i guess whatever things we can latch on to um 
or at least choose to. Is that a fair way to look at it? Yeah, I think, I think very much so. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, we we also talked about like the this album title just by itself. This is half the lyric. You know, it can feel a little like dour or dark or uh, quasi depressing. You know, like I'm waiting for no one, and we're all gonna die one day. Here's our album. But the uh, the second half of the line is what kind of completes it. You know, it's just like that we're that is a constant for sure, and um, we can make these choices in our lives. Yeah. And it's actually kind of funny how that second line is not part of of the title of the album because it almost feels like it's sort of like not quite hidden, but you know, like it, it does come after. And even like throughout the record, these little bits of hope are kind of like sort of sprinkled through. Like there's a lot of questions and a lot of doubt, but these moments of like, again, choosing to hold on to things will just sort of pop up in sometimes either unexpected ways or at least not when you're expecting them to come up, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I think I just, since we're talking about the the opening track and everything, like, again, somehow, like, kind of gift from the universe, but even the, like, the production of how that song works also is, like, a complete metaphor for this overall concept and like it kind of opens we we recorded it where it's just like this one little like kind of janky mic in we were at the studio in echo park and it's like out in the front yard and you can kind of hear us like meandering in walking on the gravel you can hear a helicopter overhead and it's like ryan and kelsey and i singing around one acoustic guitar it's just really kind of fragile and that's how making this record started we were all totally isolated from each other separated everyone like kind of going down in the rabbit holes and we first started writing this record we were getting together in my backyard and playing acoustics as the only way we were allowed to sort of be together and um that was also this kind of interesting return like that's how we made gorilla manor our first record when we used to live together now it's like you know over 10 years later and that was like part of this initial process as well. And then halfway through, we kind of like play through the first revolution. And then the the song kicks into full production with the, the whole band and the drums and the bass and keys and vibraphone and electric guitar. And the arc of that also is like very much how this record came. We like came together very fragilely and like emotionally. And then through that work, Nick's talking about you know, that time of isolation is basically like a long look in the mirror. Like I think everybody took stock of their life and a lot of people changed their lives, right? Like chose different paths or, you know, there was like mass quitting um, all over like the world. Uh, And for us, I don't, it wasn't about like quitting, but it was just like, okay, we're in this new phase of life. Tensions creatively, are coming to the surface and personally. And then again, just like dealing with like depression or for me, I was like, I just become a father right at that time. So it was like dealing with that new moment in life, but being totally isolated. And in that beginning time, like these guys, like, I don't think they heard from me for six months. And that was, that's so crazy. Cause we've been together almost every day and in communication every day for like 15 you know, 20 years kind of plus. So it was like a real, yeah, just moment um, of us to kind of face all those things 
head on, which I'm very proud of us for for doing. And, and we did and kind of like really worked through it together. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that. I would just actually interviewed um, Mia Folick and she said something that really interested me and I think kind of applies here, which was she said she feels like it's a gift to get really lost in life and and have to kind of face it and hopefully come out stronger on the other end, you know, like facing this turmoil, but actually choosing to deal with it head on and come out better and healthier rather than kind of being in this like half lost state for the rest of your life. And I think, I think that's kind of what I see here. It's, you know, like, like you said, you chose to come back to each other. You chose to face the things that were going on in your individual lives as a collective so that you could come back in a healthier way and hopefully continue to enjoy this process again. Yeah, a gift or arrested development because we don't have to become adults and are on the road our entire adult lives and then it all stops and it forces us to like look in the mirror, um, which is obviously a gift to be successful enough to tour that much, but it's just like, it, it kind of took this uh, sad pandemic for us to like stop um, what this train has been going for a long, long time. Yeah. It's like a self-help boot camp almost. You kind of don't have much of a choice. Well, with all of that, I kind of want to start to go into into the record itself even more. Um, you know, I kind of talked about these ideas of like trying to control things that you can't there's a lot of imagery of that across the record that I really liked. Like there's like the idea of tarot cards kind of mentioned in passing on New Year's Eve. There's drawing sand inside an hourglass on hourglass. But I think that my my favorite of that kind of image is on paper lanterns, this sort of idea or like this futile idea of trying to put things in line that are just going to float away in whatever pattern they choose to. Um, I guess why was it important that there was that imagery be part of this record? Um, those are all like such awesome examples that I've never even thought about under that theme. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, like it's it's you know it's obvious I think in a way, but um, you just put it very succinctly. And thank you for like uh, organizing it that in that fashion. <laughs> No, it's beautiful. Like, yeah, so much of this record, all those examples, like I, I know what they're from for us personally. And it had to do with like, you know, divisions in like in relationships or like, you know, political atmosphere getting like so crazy where it's like, oh my God, like, can we have common ground as humanity um, to uh yeah just the feeling of like helplessness and isolation and yeah I, th I think i think for us like um you know and i this i do not think this is like uh like specific to us or unique to us like i hear it a lot in songwriters talking about this not always but it's really like an open um just open to like a vessel to the universe of what's coming out like it's not really uh like preordained or pre-thought out what it is that a song is going to be and like what lyrics we're going to land on it kind of has to just be transmitted from a very honest and genuine place 
So yeah, I think um, all all of those lines are like from just that overwhelming sense that we were feeling that like there are things outside of our control. We have to surrender to that and like, you know, attempt to make peace with the things that we are in control of, which are again, really are like our relationships with the most important people in our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe not coming to peace per se, but I think in a way the closing track sort of deals with that. It's like having to learn how to sit with and face the big stuff, like instead of looking at like, like staring at the broken glass, like little problems, like sometimes you have to stare at whether it be a big problem in your life or or environmental issues um, or political issues. You have to acknowledge it. And it's it's hard and terrifying but it's something that we have to do as people you know I feel like paradise is a great example because if you just listen to it or heard the lyrics up to like the last line or chorus whatever you want to call it it feels pretty hopeless but then i feel like that last line kind of flips it where it's just like all right this is the state of my life or what's going on or what the narrator's talking about right then but like we can choose to have some hope or um, to see it in another way or approach it in another fashion. Yeah. You know, there's also another line. I'm totally blanking on which song it's on, but weirdly feels connected to this, which is on it's only when there's clouds in the sky, do they call it heaven? That's um, an hourglass also. That's hourglass, right. Yeah. Um, which even though I know that it's not the same message, something about, I guess, these ideas of like flawed paradise or paradise can't be perfect in order to actually be worthwhile. I don't know. There's something about it that's making me connect the two. Um, so I don't know if that's right. I don't know if it's wrong or if it's just worth talking about that line in, its is- in isolation, but it's another one that really caught my ear. I think it's like um, local natives you know, for better or worse, has a pretty earnest quality, I think, to us. And, um, you know, I, I embrace that. Like, I think that that it just it just is it's kind of who we are as people. And we I think allow that to come out in the music. And that line is, yeah, just a. I feel like it's a more mature example. It's making me think of um, this line from our first record on a song called World News. And the end of it is like, the bad feeling so bad makes the good so good. And that was like an album one, just very direct way to say that. <laughs> and I feel like this line is like a, a kind of poetic um, way to kind of get at that same thing. And I think we want to feel human. And yeah, to your earlier point, like to fully do that and embrace it, you have to look at like everything and go deep, go within and like look at the most difficult stuff. Cause that, like in there is where, you know, all all the diamonds are and like where all the really joyful stuff, it's like, it's mixed in. The depth of the well is like interconnected, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think with that in mind, like going into some of those, I guess some of those themes of things that this record is facing, I'm coming back to Paper Lanterns for a little bit. Showing my bias, that's probably my personal favorite song on the record because, again, these images of trying to control things that you can't, I think, is really beautiful. I also just really like the synth line on it. But one of the sort of, like, things that I think this song talks about facing and I think is really understandable for any artist, but particularly people like yourselves who've been established for several years, 
is this sort of feeling of either, you know, wanting to reach your sort of creative magnum opus or or if you feel like you already have wanting to achieve it again. Like there's that, I think it's a line of like artists wanting to find their starry night. Um, and that fear like is that something that you guys have to or have had to face as a band I mean I'm sure there's a lot of pressure from the outside to live with so I'd, I'd be curious to hear your take on that yeah totally I think for um me it, it goes in waves right like I think for us like we were fortunate in that our first record you know, took us all over the world and kind of had like acclaim and stuff. And we've been in a band for a really long time, for sure. It, like we had already played hundreds of shows and done a lot of music all through high school and college, but still like that was our first real swing and that happening. Um, you're just, your, your question made me think of what like writing Hummingbird was like. <laughs> And other than um, other than like this whole, you know, uh, backdrop of this record, which had some difficulty in it, Hummingbird was like the other most difficult time that Local Natives has had in our career. And a part of that for sure was just like, oh my God, how do you write your second record? Like, it's so crazy to be an artist and never have the feeling of eyes on you. And then to be like, oh, whoa, what is that? Like up in my mm -hmm. consciousness, like that's so crazy. So, but now, you know, this is this is LP5, right? Like we're, we're getting deeper into our career and I think all of us have evolved a lot. Um, one thing I'll just mention for myself and to me, this is like super, like the experience of becoming a father and having a child, there's like a crazy rearrangement of relationship to ego that I experienced. And it's just like a, a little taste of ego death, I think. Um, I think part of that's age for me, part of that was fatherhood. Uh, but in either case, I think there's like, both things are true. Like we, it's so intertwined, like what happens with our music and our interactions of it with kind of our fans um, is such a huge part of what makes like doing this fulfilling and worthwhile. It, it would be like so false, I think, and like impossible to try to negate that completely. Um, but simultaneously it's holding like this just, the only way that this works is if the alchemy and like magic of what happens when five people get together and want to make something that is like meaningful to them. That's like what being in a band is. And that's really the only guidepost and there's really no control over it. And we kind of like go around in circles and smash our head against the wall until, until that happens. That's just like what local natives is. I think it's probably what a lot of bands are. Um, but it's hard, it's hard to do. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, hopefully I'm like answering your question and I'm rambling a little bit, but I think no, that's like, good. Yeah. I remember uh, the night before that show you went to last week, we were mm -hmm. like having our rehearsal and we went live on our accounts and um, it was like kind of fun because we like count down like the record's out now. And then we turned the cameras off obviously and we just like, it was like the sweet conversation we all had while we were like packing up our gear. And it's like, how do you feel about the album? It's out now. And then we were kind of like, uh, 
we were kind of having this con- off the record conversation that I won't repeat here. But it was like, what's your favorite album of ours? And we're just kind of <laughs> going around the room, like having this like uh, conversation. We don't have a lot. And uh, Jay, I remember you and I being like surprised by some answers because some, some people were just like, like, I really like this record, but that one I, I view differently. Um, fill in the blanks, whatever album you want to say there. But uh, <laughs> it, it was like interesting because we have all these you know, it's our fifth record. We have so many albums in these different times and they all kind of really sound different and feel a lot different. Um, and because you're talking about, we have this urge to have like our magnum opus or like this huge statement or something. And I feel like every album has felt like that, at least for me, you know, um, but this one kind of- also like, I, I want you to keep going, but I just want to pin like, yeah. like, We've been like, we're going to make an album in a year. Like we've done that every time. And it's always like three or four years between records. So, so yeah, we're really, we're really going for a a magnum opus like every time. Like we just kind of can't avoid that. Keep going, Nick. But I just like, it made me think of like how we always, every time we start a new record, we're like, we're just going to jam. We're just going to vibe it out. It's going to flow and it's going to be done in six months. (laughs) Yeah. Always like two years later. Yeah. So not perfectionistic at all. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah. What? Or rabbit hole. <laughs> well, yeah, no, Nick, please continue. Oh, all I was going to say was just um, this album feels like uh, we're the most at peace. It feels like uh, we trusted each other a lot more, and you can hear that in the music. And um, like sonically, a lot of our albums are kind of a response to the album before. You know, like, it's like you can hear each one. It's like, all right, let's try the opposite or something different. Um, and Violet Street was very maximalist and very adventurous and experimental and this 70s analog vibe. And we're just like, all right, what if we, what if we all try to play one instrument on a song? And then that didn't really happen, but we, we tried to do that. <laughs> it was like, let's, let's, let's like confidently just play a part each or something and see what happens. Yeah. Well, you know, going back into, again, these songs that are sort of, I guess, facing things on this record, I think another standout for me was Ava, um, which I know you also mentioned is was uh, John Congleton's favorite at the show. Um, brilliant, brilliant producer, by the way. I love his work. But I guess, you know, it's also one of the songs that I found was kind of the most opaque um, in terms of like trying to read it. But I guess some ways that I would guess reading it is you know there's a fear of losing someone and how you would cope and I know that several of you have become dads in the last couple of years um I know that you know losing this project would be a lot if if it happened um and again like if any of this is right awesome if you want to answer it on a surface level fine if you want to answer it on a deep level fine like whatever whatever you want to say about the song is totally fine but I'm curious yeah, you're just you're like curious where the lyrics come from. Yeah. Yeah, the lyrics to Ava, which that song for me is it's the most personal song on the record for me, for sure. And it's from wanting to have another child and like not being able to. And so yeah, it's kind of like um a it's 
I don't know if like love, it's not really like a love letter, but it's almost like a, it feels like, like a reaching out to like trying to connect to somebody who's like not here is kind of where that song came from. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, I think kind of with that, I want to get to some of the last stuff I want to talk about. As cliche as it is, I always kind of end interviews talking about the most hopeful songs on a record um, because I like leaving things on a nice note because why well, that's not? very local natives of you. Well, there you <laughs> that's, go. That's I'm... exactly how we'd arrange uh, a song or a podcast interview. No. So. Well, there Low you go. Epic outro. <laughs> epic outro. Well, epic, epic outro. That's right. Oh yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad that I'm I'm catching on to the ethos. Well, you know, this is very much the in in the going back to the title track, the time will wait for no one, but I'll wait for you. This is very much the but I'll wait for you side of the record. And for me, I think even though it's peppered throughout the record, like you know, none of these songs are strictly sad or strictly happy. I think Featherweight for me is the biggest example of like stubborn, but like in a good way. To, like a stubborn hope of like even if things are shitty or difficult like I'm gonna keep standing up and I'm going to keep pushing forward I think yeah it's a, just a beautiful image of resilience on a record that's dealing with a lot of very otherwise heavy things that's like perfect that's right <laughs> on and uh featherweight is uh nick and nick and i i don't know matt where where you really stand on featherweight hey, you guys, are the, yeah, you guys featherweight. are the you're the you're the featherweight boys for sure nick and i are the featherweight boys so i just love uh that you invoked invoked it here um but yeah actually i feel like gosh you're you're like so astute with lyrics <laughs> you're like you're like this is what I do. This is the whole podcast. It's it's, it's really beautiful to hear. It's like thoughtful listening. Well, thank you. It's um, I I think of I it as like. I can't believe how like correct you are about all the analyses. <laughs> it's like really insane. Amazing. And like thank more you. organized. Um, this is great. I'm glad we're I'm glad we're doing this. You're gonna help me organize uh, themes for my <laughs> future lyrical conversations. This is there awesome. you go. Steal as much of this as you want. It's fine. Yeah. You're you're totally right. Like that absolutely is the attitude of that song. And that was it's kind of like a rare territory. I, I feel like mostly it's just a little bit more like raw and vulnerable and, and featherweight is kind of like, yeah, it's like I don't care that it's like all oppressing me down right now. I'm gonna like push through that. It has like I think that kind of vibe to it, like kind of like a toughness or something. Um that's that's a little more rare for us, but it's cool that you picked up on that. Of course. And I think that's probably exactly what carried you guys through to here. So I'm glad that you represented that on the record. Time Will Wait For No One is available now wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Sophia Lobricaro, and the artwork is by Meg Welford. If you liked this episode, please make sure to rate it, to follow us, and to ring the bell for future episode notifications. I know it sounds like such a small thing, and I'm sure you hear it from lots of different podcasts, but it really does help me to grow and to continue to get to do what I do. So thank you very much. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.